Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. So we're on the Psalm for Tuesday, which is in at the beginning of Davening, page 26 in the Big Sim Shalom, at the end of Shachrit, page 87 in the Slim Shalom. Uh, we'll try to, we'll try to, you know, it's a short one, so we should be able to cover the psalm and in one class session. Um, and as we have been doing, we will try to understand the psalm in its original having nothing to do with Tuesday, because originally it probably had nothing to do with Tuesday. Um, so we'll just try to understand it in and of itself. And then we'll ask, what does it have to do with Tuesday? third or third day of creation why was it selected um does it have does it gain any uh additional sense or meaning in context in the in the sequence of psalms of the week we saw the psalm for day one is about only the righteous person can enter the temple in the great processional when god comes into the temple the psalm for monday was about the righteous city, God's city of Jerusalem, impregnable, okay? Impregnable and righteous. So we have the righteous person, the righteous city, and now we're up to day three. Mizmor la'asaf, Asam, by Asaf, for Asaf, in the style of the Psalms of Asaf, uh, just the superscription, and then we have the Psalm itself. Uh, this is a psalm, by the way, I will just foreshadow by saying the sum of the what appears to be the pshat or the simple manifest meaning of it is very different if you read it as a modern, critical, historically informed person versus if you read it uh, in a traditional framework because just to foreshadow the question is who are the gods who are the people who seem to be the other gods if you read it in a modern critical historical framework you have no trouble with that you'd say you know uh israelite ancient israelite ideas about monotheism evolved gradually and this psalm reflects some intermediate stage of that evolution before monotheism as we understand it had 100 percent taken hold um, if you are a more traditional, uh, thinker and reject that idea that ancient Israelite monotheism evolved, then you have a harder time interpreting who are the gods. And I will tell you that the traditional commentators who have that assumption are all over the place, by which I mean scattered different kinds of interpretations, um, on that question because it is difficult. If you read it from a traditional, I will use the term from standpoint. Okay. Elohim Nitzav Ba'adat El of Elohim Yishpot. God, it's not, notice it is not Yud Kevavke. It's not God's personal name. It is the more general name for God. God rises. I like that word. I was going to say stands up, but better English. God rises. God stands in I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick 
to a, as literal a translation as possible for starters. Ba'adat El, in the Council of El. I want everyone to notice the awkwardness of that. God stands up in the, in the Council of God, but with different words for God, Elohim and El, and judges in the midst of the gods. So we have God three times. God stands up in the Council of God and judges or establishes justice or says something justly in the midst of the gods. What does God say? We'll, we'll, we'll put a pause for a second on what is the council of gods. Let's, let's figure out what God is going to say when God stands up. How long will you, uh, judge perversely and, um, recognize, lift up literally the faces of the wicked, meaning uh, lisapanim means to show preference to. Um, it actually goes back uh, to the Torah. and the Torah, it says, thou shalt not show preference to uh, either the rich or the poor in doing judgment. And what's the accusation here? You, you, who is you? Who is God talking to? Presumably there are some sorts of, there's some sort of judges because God is accusing them of ju- of judging unfairly. How long will you pervert justice and prefer or, or, uh, in a, in a favor, thank you, favor, um, favor the wicked? Shiftu dalviatom, anivarash hatstiku. You must judge. And here I think we have to insert a word, judge for, okay, uh, the poor and the needy. Dal and Evion are synonyms for poor. Um, we have four words for poor, by the way. Dal, uh, sorry, yatom is a, a, is an orphan. Dal, ani, farash, all mean poor. Okay? So, judge, I, I skipped a line. Sorry. We have dal, ani, rash, and avyon. Four words for poor. Judge the poor and the orphan. The poor and the poor justify, right? Judge them justly. Um, Palatu is a PL. It means to help someone escape the clutches of what does our English say? Rescue. Okay. Rescue the poor and the needy. Save them from the hands of the wicked. So presumably here, right? The wicked are the oppressors. They are taking financial advantage of the poor who are more obviously more helpless. And God, Elohim here, is accusing some council of judges of saying, hey, man, you are perverting justice. You favor the wicked. You should be taking the side of the poor and the downtrodden. That is the accusation of God. Everyone follow that? Okay. So let's pause for a moment and talk about uh what's the council. So again, if you take a... a um, Critical historical view of it, like any modern Bible scholar would. When I say Bible scholar, I mean university Bible scholar. You would say, okay, monotheism evolved uh, only gradually, and before it became um, total monotheism, there was some idea that there were multiple gods, and just like the king has a council of counselors, they sit together and debate, okay, or the Supreme Court. Up there in the heavens, there's also a Supreme Court 
or a council of gods or something like that. And one deity, presumably ours, okay, sort of goes without saying, stands up in the council and says, hey, you people are not doing justice. You're supposed to be doing justice. You're not. You're look at the world. We might say, look at the world. It would appear that you are taking the side of the rich and not defending the poor. You who are supposed to be, um, judging justly. Everyone follow that idea? Pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Okay. And of course, we know as monotheism evolves later, the other gods, at first they are lesser gods and our God is more powerful. Then they get demoted to angels. And in, let's say in rabbinic literature, uh, their midrashim, where there are every nation has what's called a sar or in modern Hebrew cabinet minister. Okay. Uh, every nation has its divine representative. In English, we don't really have a better word than angel. Okay. Although it doesn't mean a divine being that does good things and flaps its wings around, right? Every nation has its sar. There are 70 nations in rabbinic idiom. Um, shivim umot haolam. So there's a giant council parliament, right? Of 70. Let's, I don't want to call in rabbinic literature. They're not gods, even with a lowercase g. 70 angels. Each one is a sar or minister or divine, uh, supernatural representative of a nation. And they debate with each other, but we're lucky. But by, by the way, who's our sar? Anyone know? Who is the, the sar, the cabinet minister angel who represents the Jews in all of these, uh, debates? You know his name. He's, we've got two of him in our session today in our Sidur class. We got two of them named after the Tsar of Israel. Coins. Michael. Uh, oh, wow. Michael is the Tsar of the Jews in these Midrashim that, um, Imagine a supernatural world where the Sarim are debating with each other. Like there's a midrash about, you know, before the, the, uh, before the plague of the slaying of the four, of the, of the firstborn, um, the Tsar of Mitzrayim, the Tsar of Egypt is arguing before God, you know, don't do this. And the Tsar Michael, who's the cabinet minister representing, uh, the great state of the Jewish people, um, uh, is arguing in favor of this and they're debating. Again, it's, it's imagined in rabbinic literature as like a human, I don't know, like the Roman Senate or something like that, right? Where different representatives represent different, uh, groups and they debate in front of God and then God decides. Okay. So that's, that's what happens to the gods in rabbinic period. They become Angels, I'm going to put it in air quotes, who are um, supernatural beings who represent different nations of the world. And and uh, in in some rabbinic tellings, Michael is our sar. And in some other rabbinic tell- tellings, Hashem, God's self, is our sar. The other nations have angels in charge of them. We have God in charge of us. Okay, everyone with me? So they're de- the gods are demoted to angels. So some of our traditional commentators say 
God is standing, and the, the, what this means is God is standing. This psalm means God is standing in the council of angels, the angels who represent the other nations of the world. And God says, you other angels in charge of your nations, your nations are not doing justice. They pervert justice. They favor the powerful, wicked, and they oppress the needy. And how long are you going to allow this to go on? Hashem is saying, or, or meaning, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to allow this to go on anymore. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, um, traditional commentators, of course, who, who know nothing of, you know, these ideas of history of evolution of monotheism, right? That's just not part of their awareness or vocabulary, right? See this as it's a council of angels or some of the commentators say it's just a council of human judges. God says to the human judges on earth, Hey, you judges are not doing justice, right? You're perverting the cause of justice by your favoring the wicked powerful rather than the poor needy. So we could understand this as the council of gods, if you have a modern critical view, or the council of divine beings and angels in one rabbinic view, or another traditional view, God is just talking to human judges. Okay. Um, that's a little more problematic. Because we have, we do have the phrase Adat El, which sounds like divine counsel. Now, um, there, there are a couple of places in the Bible where Elohim does not mean God, but might mean something like judges or highest authority, highest human authority. Okay. There's some places in the Torah where Elohim doesn't mean God. It clearly means in context, even for um, traditional readers of the Bible, it clearly means in context, um, human leadership. So that the fact that Elohim occasionally, occasionally means that in the Bible, then gives the possibility of even traditional commentators saying, Bekerev of Elohim, Yishpot, just means God stands up in the council of human judges. We have sort of a, the word Elohim is used two words, two different ways in the first line. Elohim, God with a capital G, stands up in some council and he accuses the Elohim who are the human judges. So we can have God speaking to human judges, God speaking to the ministering angels, but they're not the ministering angels who do kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. They're like the, the, the parliament representing the 70 nations of the world or, uh, you know, a modern critical view. It's just the divine council of other gods who are seen as somewhat lesser gods, but nonetheless gods. And this is God's accusation against them, whoever them is, the lesser gods, the angels, or I'm going to pause. Right. And then we'll go on. Question, comment, Terry, then Michael O. Terry. So as um, monotheistic Judaism evolved Mm -hmm. and um, and many of the references to multiple gods out there were reinterpreted or changed. Why was this? left here 
as one of the Psalms that we read every week? Now, that's a great question. Or you could say it, you could say it, um, your question more harshly. I oh could, my goodness. I... How could the editor of the book of Tehillim allowed him or herself themselves to include such a pagan sounding psalm not not pagan but but you know pre strictly monotheistic sounding psalm uh you know i don't have a good answer to that question maybe the editor of the book of tehillim wasn't quite as monotheistically evolved as you might think Ms. Cohan Link, possibly, you know, maybe they just, maybe they, they yes, uh, you know, the traditional commentators have to bend themselves into pretzels to interpret this. Maybe it wasn't a problem. It certainly wasn't a problem for the author. Okay. And I guess maybe it just wasn't a problem for the editor. I don't know what else to tell you. Michael. <clears throat> uh, I'm reading a commentary in the art scroll and uh-huh. it said, on the fourth day, God created the, the uh, on this psalm of uh, the sun, moon, the maintenance of equity and justice is a prerequisite for the continued existence of the world that was revealed on the third day. But this message is not limited to only the courts. In his own personal life, every Jew is a judge for his opinions and decisions about people can affect their lives in thousands of different ways. Okay. Nice drosh. So uh, you, uh, Michael just added a nut from Art Scroll. Thank you. Does it say in parentheses who it's from, by the way? Sometimes I'll say who the author of the commentator is, right? Nice interpretation. Internal psychological. And uh, then, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, internal yeah. psychological means I've got to say to myself, hey, how come you favor the fancy people who you want to flatter and who you want to have them notice you? You know, how come you don't pay more attention and take the side of those who really need your assistance? The downtrodden, the poor, the less fancy, something like that. That would be my, that's a nice drosh. I like that. Go ahead, Michael. The other uh, thing that they have here when they, uh, it says as a result of their, another commentary in the divine assembly, the judges who seek truth and justice should are the divine assembly because they represent God's justice on earth. As yeah. a result of the sincerity, God himself penetrates into their hearts, the care of uh, Elohim in the midst of judges. Okay. To assure them right. of reaching a just ver- verdict. And that is attributed to uh, Al-Sheikh. 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 Okay. Got Al-Sheikh. it. Well, I'm going to argue with that because I don't think he penetrates into them and actually changes what they do. Let's go on to the second half. Okay. So God is scolding the council of gods or the other, the lesser divine beings or the angels or human judges saying you're doing a bad job of what you are supposed to do, which is judging justly. Close quote. By the way, I, the, the quotes, it's, it's the, the quotes here. Obviously they're not quotes in the original book of Psalms because they don't have quotation marks back then, but the quotes in our Sidur are placed in a very good, correct place to help you understand it. Because now we're at the end of the quote. So God has stopped talking, right? Sorry, God has stopped addressing those judges directly in the second person. That's what I mean to say. We go on. Lo yadu, velo yavinu, 
They don't know. They don't understand. They walk in darkness and the foundations of the earth totter, T-O-T-T-E-R. Why are the foundations of the earth tottering? Apparently because of the lack of justice. So we have some link here between uh, uh, some idea that justice is important for sustaining the earth. Hint, day three. Okay. So God is saying, uh, either God or the Sabbath, unclear, not entirely clear, is saying now somehow, well, of course they don't do justice. They do not understand and they walk in darkness, meaning whatever the Adat El was, whatever the the in the midst of the Elohim, whoever they are, right, divine beings or humans or whatever, of course you can't rely on them. Their justice is blind, as it were, right? In this case, I guess that's the wrong way to say it, right? They, they, they don't they don't know what they're doing. I mean, what what greater metaphor could you say than they walk in darkness? They have no idea what they're doing. And I, I would add, parenthetically, as a result, the earth threatens to collapse. The earth is tottering because the implication behind that, because the earth is founded on justice. Justice is what keeps the earth solid. OK, there is no justice. And so the earth totters, teeter totters. I thought I had said, um, I believe, I'll be fancy. I believe the translation really is, I had said, which is the pluperfect, I think, right? And this is, um, uh, for those who know a little bit of biblical Hebrew, if it was just, I said, it would be va'omar, Right? But Amarti means I had said. That means it's another way of saying I used to think that you were gods and you were all gods. So maybe all of these angels or other gods, maybe this is in a pro monotheistic, anti polytheistic line, right? I thought you really had power. I thought you were really gods or you judges, I really thought you had fairness in mind. But I always thought that's what they all, t- that's what they always taught me in school about judges in America. I always thought you were all about justice. Achain, but indeed, in fact, ke'adam temutun uchachad hasarim tipolu. But you're going to die just like any human being and you will, um, fall just like any sar you'll you'll get fired just like any other cabinet minister mm-hmm. okay so hey i thought you were a big deal i thought again depending on what level you understand it i thought you were truly judges human something weighty and fair and about justice or i thought you were angels had some power or i thought you other gods were actually real gods but now I realize, no, 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 you're going to die. You have no power. You're just mortal. Right? Um, so we obvious, have- he, obvious he expressed it. Is this Psalm then expressing a disappointment in humans, basically? 
Well, it's a disappointment in those who were thought to be judges. So if you say it's about humans, yes. If you say it's about deities, then it's different. I thought these other deities had power. They don't. Okay. Or I thought these judges were supposed to be fair, but you know what? They are feeble mortals who are swayed by the same things that regular humans are swayed by. I thought judges should be above that. Okay. I'm not making any political statements whatsoever since we're going out to the, to the, uh, the whatever sphere, the, the, what do we call it? The podcast sphere. Okay. So I thought you were really gods. I thought you were higher, but in fact, you're no better than anyone else. Or I actually thought you were divine beings, but now I see that you are actually not. You are finite and limited like human beings. Me, I'm talking now, the psalmist, not God. Therefore, my conclusion, Kuma Elohim, we come back to Elohim, right? But what do we say before Elohim Nitzav? At the beginning, right? God stands up or rises in court. And now at the end, we, the, the psalmist on our behalf is saying, Kuma Elohim, come on, God, get up. Shufta Haaretz, judge the earth. Shufta is again, for those who, who are learning some Hebrew, Barbara Brieger, the, the, um, and Jonathan, the, um, the, Command form, normally in regular Hebrew, would be shvot, command, sivui, uh, the, uh, what do we call it in English? Imperative, right? Command would be shvot. But the biblical has, um, an elongated version where you add a hey and instead of shvot, you say shofta, and that is called the hortatory, um, from the word exhort, E-X-H-O-R-T, right? It's a way of commanding by saying like, come on, come on, come on. I really mean it, right? So shvot means judge. Shofta means, come on, judge, right? Sort of, it's it's what you would use if you were rooting for your team. Kick the ball, right? Okay, so that's what shofta is. And we have that form elsewhere in biblical Hebrew. It's called the hortatory because you are, ex. it's not just a command. It is a command with exhortation. So, you know, if the imperative has one exclamation point after it, then the hortatory has two or three exclamation points after it. We all understand that nowadays because of how we how we text and email, right? Add a couple of exclamation points to show that you really, really, really mean it. Can you spell that word? I'm having a hard time hearing Hortatory, H-O-R-T-A-T-O-R-Y. That's just like the grammar nerd word for it. It's a form. The hortatory, but the way to understand it is from the English word to exhort someone. We know yeah. that word, like to really urge them on. Okay. So it's a command form with a greater sense of urgency than regular command, right? Um, you know, you might say, you might say to someone, pick up the cup, but if your kid leaves dirty dishes around the house all the time and doesn't bring them to the sink, you would say, pick up the cup. Okay. It has a little more sense to it has a couple more exclamation points after pickup. Okay. So arise, by the way, Kuma is the same. I, I, I missed that. Kuma and Shoftar are both right. Normally you'd say Kum and Shvot, but Kuma means come on, right? Why is this? Why do we have that sense in the context of this Psalm? Why is it hortatory? 
Oops. Did I, did I lose you? All right. Hold on. Shoot. Are you still there? Ah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're yeah. there. Good. Okay. Good. I thought I lost you. Uh, there you are. Sorry. I touched something on my computer. Why am, why am I saying that in, in, uh, in, in the Psalm? Why is the Psalmist saying that? In the context is not, not a trick question. Why is the Psalmist using the hortatory? Because he's, um, he's trying to emphasize, uh, um, something really. Which is what, Michael? Huh? What, what? Why does it, why does the Psalmist need to emphasize it? In the context of the psalm, you have to go outside. Just yeah, because because this is uh, this is uh, justice. Uh, uh, If there's no justice, there can be no world. The judges are corrupt. They're not taking the part of the downtrodden. They're taking the part of the wealthy. Look at the world around you. Come on, do justice. We really need that. That's the sense of it within the context of the psalm, the story of the psalm. Okay, Okay. right. Uh, so, um, so get up, God, judge the earth. Nachala is usually portion, like inheritance, right? So, oh, you might have thought at the beginning, the world is divided to 70 nations and each nation has a God. No, 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 no. God, you are the ones that has dominion is a, a good enough non-literal but idiomatic translation, you are in charge of all the nations. So we have a number of stories within the psalm. I don't know about a number. You can think of at least two, okay? Um, uh, one is, I thought that those deity. one is about the transition from polytheism to monotheism. I thought those deities had power, but you know what? The earth is such a mess. They obviously don't. Hashem, you are the only one who rules over everything. Please make sure to do justice in the whole world. Okay. That's one story. Another story is these human judges, you can't rely on them. The only fair, good, real judge is Hashem. Or if we want to go with the internal psychological interpretation that Michael, Sar- Michael O cited from the art scroll, if this is all internal, hey, I, I, I'm always, my my thinking and my behavior is corrupt. I'd like to think of a nicer word than that because, you know, I favor the fancy people. I'm nicer to the neighbors who drive Maseratis than the neighbors who drive, uh, you know, a beat up old something or other, don't even have a car, right? Because I fall prey to the same prejudices. But come on, my conscience, get on board with the program, okay? What's really important? What's really just? What's really fair? So it could be an internal dialogue if you want to say that. Okay. Avi? Yes. Barbara. Yes, do you think that, that this exclamation, this hortatory exclamation is partially because he's talking to God and he's kind of scared about it? And I mean, he's, you're talking to the, the, the top guy yeah. or top girl. Uh huh. And, and do you think that's why he, he makes this Expanded exclamation, you know, that's, and that's I mean, nice. trying to order somebody right. that he normally wouldn't be wanting. You don't to go order. ordering God. You don't say to God, "Hey, man, we, you know, where where you been? Yeah. I'm looking at the state of the world, and when are you going to step yeah. in and do justice?" So, yes, yeah. it, it could be that. I think it, an, an alternative is it could be, um, again, a little bit of desperation, right? Because I thought these judges were going to like run the world justly. 
and and look at look at how things are. They're corrupt. Okay, uh, so it could be desperate. So it could be humble. It could be desperate. Probably other options. But it's good. So right. O- always interesting to, to to say like, okay, so what's the sense of that? Why did they do that? For um, um, Michael. The, uh, uh, the art scroll again sort of comes in here and says for that uh, Asaf, the psalmist addresses God, you sought to avoid strife by allotting a fair share to all nations. Now, step in, judge the earth and undo man's destructiveness. Good. You you tried to set it up somehow. It ain't working. Okay? It ain't working. Parent has to step in. Right. They tried to have a system. Right. The nation should work it out. They're each represented by a SAR. There's about it's not working. OK, good. Um, um, why Tuesday? Let's start with why not sequence. How does it fit after the other two times? But why for Tuesday? <clears throat> so and we'll try to wrap it up by 10 of two minutes. Why do you think this might have been picked for Tuesday? I gave you a hint. I don't think I gave you a hint. I think I actually said it. Hmm. Yimotu kol moste aretz. The foundations of the earth will totter. So on Tuesday, God establishes, in some sense, the earth by having the aretz. That's the word that's used. Okay. By having the dry <clears throat> land appear. So there, on a very superficial linguistic level, you could say aretz. Okay. But then on a deeper metaphoric level it's making us suggesting that the earth as we know it right can only to continue to exist if there's justice justice is a foundation of the earth as we know it if there's corruption and non-justice the earth totters it 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 threatens to collapse okay so i think there's a i think it's uh, the justice here is used kind of as a I don't know, establishing, I guess, which is which, which is a metaphor. Establishing earth is a metaphor for establishing justice. I don't mean to suggest that justice was created on the third day of creation, but I think the psalmist is using it as a metaphor. By the way, there are many other places where um, lack of justice, many other places in the Tanakh, where lack of justice, if there's lack of justice, um there's the threat of the world collapsing, right? The world is founded upon justice. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a Hobbesian view of the world, not Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> but Tom, as we always say, but Thomas Hobbes, right? Justice is necessary to keep things, which means people in line, because without it, they will take advantage of each other, right? Uh, if, you look at it, if you look at the world today, it does seem sometimes like that is an absolute true statement. You know, one might say that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I so I think one connection with Tuesday, the, the obvious connection with Tuesday, is the Earth is founded on justice, and on day three, God establishes the Earth as we know it by having dry land appear. Any other thoughts about that? I don't think I have any other ideas about that. That's my only one. Um, so if we want to put it in sequence and I'll close with this Sunday, cause we'll, and we'll continue following this thread through the whole week. 
not the thread, but see if, is there a thread? Sunday, who can come up to the God's mountain, the holy temple? Only the righteous person. I emerged from Shabbat feeling cleansed and good, and I haven't done any sins yet in the week, right? So I'm hoping I can be that righteous person. Monday Psalm was about righteous city, right? The city of, uh, you know, God's city, uh, which is filled with, I think we said three words, chesed, mishpat, which is justice, and tzedek, okay? Day three, you know, I thought that there was some system of justice, whether it's the gods or the angels or the humans who are in charge of leadership of the other humans. I thought there was, boy, was I bitterly disappointed. Are they a total failure of doing their job? God, come on, please. We need you. You are the only source of justice, right? It's a little bit like the a similar idea to the justice blessing in the middle of the Amida. I forget what number it is, somewhere in the teens, right? It says, God, come back and establish justice because we can't rely on these other human people. They're not doing a very good job of it, right? It's only when you are the judge that justice is done um, effectively. So similar idea. Okay? Um, um, I do like the fact that you brought in the Amida because... You know, it's a reminder that when every one of us uh, davens that, you know, that maybe uh, they should think of their own innate God, uh, you know, spark that they were their God given spark of godliness and and aspire to a uh, higher level in that yes. day. So, again, we can look at it at, in a, on a more, I'm going to say, concrete level. It's about justice, it's about politics, it's about society, how it's governed, or one can look at these things on a more internal level, uh, more internal psychological level. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.